What's up, Cenobite family? We wanted to jump in ahead of this episode to honor and to acknowledge the passing of Chadwick Boseman um, this past Friday and to kind of acknowledge what his legacy in film is and will be. Um, A lot of us have maybe only recently fallen in love with him through characters like Black Panther or in his more recent films like 21 Bridges or Defy Bloods. Um, But he really got his kind of starring role in the movie 42 where he portrayed Jackie Robinson. And even still, you know, all of this was fairly new. Um, Within the past 10 years, he kind of has had his career blossom and you know, the past four of those, we're learning that he was dealing with this battle with colon cancer, and there's been a lot of stories coming out and videos popping up of, you know, him through, like, the Avengers run and things like that, where, you know, we now know he was dealing with this horrible, you know, cancer that we can only imagine you know, what it was doing to him mentally, physically, and you know he stayed strong through all of that. And um, it's just a true testament to the individual he was. You know, outside of his fame and any acting he was doing, just like a genuine good human being. And you know, as lovers of film and TV and all those things, you know, we want to, to acknowledge that his legacy as an actor and beyond, you know, is something that's great and rare and um, doesn't come along often. And obviously, you know, that impact is well beyond just us. It's, you know, millions and millions of people that he's impacted and kind of been an example and a hero and a, a figure in the world to so many. So, we thought it was only appropriate to start this episode with this kind of commemoration or dedication, if you will, and um, it's a huge loss, shocking and tough to, you know, deal with. We know that his legacy and his message and his memory will live long beyond this moment and beyond us, and we just want to extend our thoughts and prayers to his family and loved ones in this time and know that he will be missed and will be loved well beyond this moment and without further ado we'll turn it back over to the episode this is Cinevibes hey what's going on guys my name is Kenneth Jackson I'm an actor from Atlanta Georgia and I'm Trey Riley I'm a writer director from Charlotte North Carolina and this is Cinevibes. This week. What did you watch this? No, you week? you go first because I still have to remember the name of mine. Oh, okay, <laughs> must not have been that good. Well, mine was actually very good. I've been wanting to watch this for a while, and it was on Apple TV Plus, which I know everyone doesn't have, but if you do. It's called Boys State, mm-hmm. and despite what I thought, it's a documentary actually about the Texas Boys State program in 2018. And if you're typing in Boys State, like I had to do, then you'll realize it's this whole world where yep. politicians. I think there's a girl state as well. So yep. Let's not discriminate. It's a big deal. Like, honestly, there are people that it's almost like they're like, I would die for this. Yeah. And, you know, people like Bill Clinton, uh, Dick Cheney, so many of our politicians, you know, went through these programs as kids. And, man, it's just fascinating. Like, the amount of passion these 16 and 17 year olds have for politics and mm-hmm. the knowledge they have on the process, the structure, the legislative seats, everything. Mm-hmm. It was really 
kind of just mind blowing and inspiring at the same time. Yeah, I, and that was what it was about. It was about all that, uh, like a documentary style. Yeah, it was set up following kind of one guy primarily. Mm-hmm. You'd maybe call him the underdog opponent, if you will. Right. And so he kind of had the honest approach and he got beat out by someone that did some shady stuff, a little bit of slandering mm. going on. and Some stuff under the table. Yeah. Um, so you kind of see at even that age what like how nasty it can get and the tactics to just win like at at some point like they're like i don't care what i think like what does the party want it's like okay i'm following the party selling your soul for that and like that's a thing i mean beyond that in real life in (laughs) state federal whatever i mean i'm not gonna get into all that but you know obviously that that's true as an adult as well yeah, it's an eye-opening like watch, which I mean, I know that down here, like plenty of people, it's a huge thing. They put their like they identify by going to Boys State. They'll wear the shirts. They'll do all this. They'll go back and be counselors for Boys State, and it's almost like they never leave Boys State, which kind of makes me question um, the yeah, organization. It's got kind of like a. This is the wrong term, but almost like a cult-like presence yeah. because it's kind of like a life thing. Mm-hmm. Once you you're get in, it. you're like in and you get appointed to things and mm-hmm. get into positions you probably wouldn't have gotten into otherwise. So, Well, here's the thing is that I used to be, believe it or not, in student government oh. uh, back in middle school. What were you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> back in middle school I was but then I got out of it just because it was like I don't really understand what's going on and honestly like I just did this for field trips right. um, but then when I went to Clemson there was a chance where I would be I, they were asking about representatives that they needed a representative for a certain class and I was like I mean I'll go in and interview and so I go in interview all that sort of stuff. Thought it went fine. I didn't get it. And I'm happy I didn't get it because then that would have been a lot more on me to deal with. Right. But my approach to like political stuff and everything is just, I mean, it is a lifestyle and it's something you follow through with. And I think that there's some things like you were talking about where shady stuff goes under the table and everyone knows that's just what you do, right? That's what yeah. you do to win. And so that makes me think like, you know, imagine someone who does very shady stuff just to get to the top, just to beat out everybody else. But they're like, yeah, I just said all that stuff to get you to vote for me, but I'm really going to go and do my own thing. And, you know, yeah, literally. And again, this is fake government, but, you know, that was literally what one of the candidates said. He's like, as soon as I get in. I'm doing exactly what I want, but to get in, I'm saying whatever anyone wants me to say. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that, you know, throughout history. But yeah, the most impactful quote maybe that I've heard in my entire life came from a 17-year-old boy. <laughs> and he said of his opponent, that guy is a really good, uh, sorry, that guy's a really good politician, but that's not a compliment. Right. Yeah. I it, it's a I that that is a really good quote because I think it really just reaches to the bottom of the whole stuff. But no, good watch, right? Really yeah, good absolutely. stuff to watch. I gave it a eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. So I finally remembered what I watched, which me and Gerald we watch a lot of stuff. Honestly, like it's <laughs> where I'm like, wait, I watched that. I can't remember watching that. Um, but I watched Sorry to Bother You. Oh yeah. Yeah, by Boots Riley, Lakeith Stanfield in there, Jermaine Fowler, Tessa Thompson. I was like, and it was wacky. It was one wacky movie. So Try if and you like enjoy, break that down. What is like two sentences to describe that movie? Because I have no idea what it's about. All right, it's hard to break down because there's so much stuff that goes on. But if I had to break it down <laughs> in two sentences, 
starting now, it would be that's not included. Uh, <laughs> God dang it! I'm in a loop. Um, it's about people standing up for what they believe, but then falling victim to their own ideas of grandeur at the opportunity of such a thing. Wow! Right? That was beautifully I summarized. Say, I would say that is what it stands for, and it's very subtle the way they do it because it's a very wacky movie. The more it goes, you're like, oh, this can't get any like weirder. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and it, it says a lot about like the way society is today. So you have to watch it, and when you watch it, it can be so subtle that you're just like, why is this happening? What What is the purpose of this? Like... And every time, you know, that's that's how Gerald was. And I was like, OK, I'm I'm trying my hardest to dig this. Like I'm in the grave and I'm digging that hole, like trying to figure out what this is about. And so then like, once you look deeper, you're like, oh, God, it's a commentary <laughs> on political and social events in uh, like what goes on around us like social media and its influence on people and blinding us to the truth of what's really happening is touched on in there um of course it touches on because it's mainly black cast african-american cast and it talks about how you know when lakeith goes to this work cash is green goes to his work as a telemarketer, in order for him to succeed, he has to use his white voice. Oh. Yeah. And so then it talks about how in order for him to be a top seller at this place, he has to use his white voice. And then when he does get to the top, he has to use that voice all the time when he talks to people. And then I, I love later on in movie. the movie, it's not spoiling it, but he's at a party and then he's pretty much told... You know, you, you you know how to rap, right? Yeah, go ahead, rap for us, right? And it touches on that sort of stuff. And it's a party full of predominantly white people. And he's like, I, I don't know how to rap. I, and they're like, <laughs> no, no, you know how to rap. Come on, rap, rap. And so it's a huge chant. He gets up there and he's really awkward. And he's like, I... I I, I don't know how to rap. And then he starts just doing like the generic like rap tropes and stuff like that, yelling that stuff out. And they're all like, yeah, this is what I want. And I'm like, man, that's such a that's such a commentary on how society yeah. is. I, I love a good movie that dives into a commentary through a creative way. Yeah. And it gets even more about how blind people can be to certain like and how far they will go to look the other way from something that is directly in their face they're being told the truth they're being told this is what it's like and they're like haha here's a funny meme right yeah i see this as set in oakland and there's been a lot of movies that are pretty heavy and commentaries on injustice set in oakland recently like blind spot really? for instance which is an amazing movie. What was it? Blind spotting. Blind spotting, right? Um, I I wonder if there's a reasoning why Oakland's getting all that attention because, I mean, all I've ever known them for is the Raiders, and they don't even have that anymore. So. Right, that got moved. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's a very charged area. Could I, be. I feel. Yeah. I feel like it might be a very socially charged area with um, like dynamics between like the you know, Northwest. You got San Francisco as well. And Portland obviously has been that way recently. Mm hmm. Yeah. Where, and this can, movie, where can people honestly, watch it? I, I would recommend this. I, I loved it. I would watch it again. I, and for that, I would give it a nine out of 10. Wow. <laughs> Because it's so, oh, literally, you'll watch it and be like, what is going on? <laughs> and then watching it back, you'll figure out more and more about it, which is like, it's talking about this and that and the other. And then you'll see more and more and more. And it's just got so many layers that you just have to watch it multiple times to unpack everything that's going on. Absolutely. Right? Where and can people watch it right now? To what? Where can people watch it? So, 
I don't. I, 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 I don't I'll answer that for I'm, you. You can watch on. it for free on Hulu right now. Can you? And Amazon Prime for four dollars. But yeah, I definitely love the movie. Fantastic. Talks a lot about socially charged stuff. Fantastic. I think that can switch over into talking about, you know, using Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah. You know, he's been a supporting actor for a long time. Or not for a long time, but, you know, he's he's been kind of under the radar. And with this movie, it's been... He, he was fantastic. Was he was he, the leading man. He was the lead, okay. And what other stuff? Obviously, our review of Knives Out, Lakeith was in that. Yep, Lakeith was in there. He's, He's been also in uh, a bunch uncut, of uncut, uncut gems. gems. What else? Uh, the girl in the spider's web. Which no one saw. <laughs> and then uh, get out which was as far as I know his kind of breakout role is that correct yep most people saw him in that and were like hey it's the get out guy <laughs> the get out guy He's I wonder what that, that feels it. like as a actor I mean obviously it's great to be known but when like you're known for that one thing only Mm-hmm. Even still, probably, you know, I don't remember it started to bother you being like a casual watch. You know, it's pretty mm-hmm. stylized. Mm-hmm. Probably still getting called the get out guy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they had an interview with him and he talked about that. It's like he usually gets uh, walked up to on the street and they're like, oh, get out guy. <laughs> Uh, but that is a weird thing, but I'm sure it's kind of like, you know, people know you, right? Yeah. <laughs> they may was... not know your name fully and what else you've done, but they know you. The amount of time people hang on to stuff, because I'm just looking at his IMDb right now, and I mean, he's done like 15, 20 projects since that. Mm-hmm. With his most recent one that hasn't released yet being Judas and the Black Messiah, which I hear really good things about. Right. Judas and the Black Messiah, I haven't really heard too much about it. Like, I haven't seen much news. I think, as of right now, there's just a trailer. So, Mm -hmm. that dropped semi-recently. I'll have to check it out. It's got um, Daniel Kaluuya in it. Mm -hmm. So, they're re-teaming. Yep. And you also mentioned before all this stuff, John Hamm. I want to move the conversation to John Hamm because I, I love John. I could talk about John Hamm for <laughs> approximately four days. Four days. Approximately four days. The fifth day couldn't, fifth couldn't day, be made. The fifth day I'd probably run out of gas, but for four days. <laughs> At that point, you'd probably be running just straight on Monster. I could sing his praises. <laughs> Something we had talked about before we jumped on was supporting roles like actors and supporting roles and I think a lot of times people hear that someone's in a supporting role and it's like a negative mm-hmm. like oh they're not the lead they're yeah in the background whatever right I'm a supporting actor guy yeah like give me a cast with five supporting actors no standout lead and I am there yeah yeah i think that kind of go like the ensemble cast would be when he was in tag tag's a good one yep that was a lot of stars and just a great balance of all these a-list actors Mm Hmm. and yeah he's done so many movies like that uh bad times at the el royale yep um richard jewell is another one Mm-hmm. Baby Driver, we mentioned. Baby Driver. I, I love Baby Driver. I loved And apparently Ansel he's in uh, Top Gun, too. Like, yep. I don't know what he, he's in there, but I love it. He was also in Bad Omens, which I dug that pretty heavily. Have not seen that one. You haven't seen it. It's on Amazon Prime. I, 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 I think it's a really solid when watch. Did, when did that come out? 
that came out in 2019 and i the report i watched like i didn't i think i got a little busy halfway through that and i stopped watching it but i gotta go back to the report because i dare love you halfway watch a movie i know i know i love adam driver so i gotta watch that again adam driver is a perfect segue into another amazing supporting actor yeah Give me him mixed in with anyone, and that movie is going straight to the top. <laughs> There's a scene. I can't remember where what the scene is from, but he's like, this is the best day of my life. I'm eating nachos. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like a scene, and I think it had Radcliffe in there as well. I think that was the other guy opposite him. Oh, uh, Harry Potter. Yeah. I'm sure he yeah. hates hearing that. <laughs> Harry Potter guy. Speaking of referring to old movies. <laughs> yeah. I love Adam Driver. He's so fantastic. He goes so far into the roles. And honestly, when I was listening to him talk about acting, because I'm like, yo, what type of nuggets does he have? He's got to have something about like... He's got some great nuggets. He's got some great nuggets dug inside <laughs> that noggin of his. Um... And he was asked about how he goes into the character, what he feels when he's going, you know, how does he embody the character? And then I'm pretty sure the way, like, this is paraphrasing, but I'm pretty sure he was like, honestly, I mean, I don't necessarily feel 100% what the character is supposed to feel. I'm an actor. I just act, right? I think he's he somewhat went along those lines, and I was like, you know, that just goes to show what his technique is and how well it is that he can pull something off. Not not saying that he doesn't feel anything, but that, you know, even if he didn't feel anything, it still looked fantastic. He's not even fully in it, and he is destroying it. Yeah. You haven't even used one person to the power. I think he's got a good, or he's a good example of a extremely high range. Mm-hmm. Like... From Marriage Story to Star Wars to Black mm-hmm. Klansman, just silence. I haven't seen it, but everyone praises that movie, mm-hmm. a Scorsese film. Right. So, uh, just. It was also in Francis Ha, which I saw, and yeah, it was, I enjoyed with, it. Uh, what's her name? She's pretty big deal. She's, she's kind of Greta a big Gerwig. deal. That's who it is. <laughs> Yeah, she, she's crushing he, it as well. She is, and I just watched a roundtable with her where she was talking and talking with other directors, and I loved listening to her talk about stuff because she's like, I don't know if I'm supposed to say anything at this table. Like, I don't even know if I've gained the credits to do that sort of thing. And she's like, I just make movies. She's there with right? her husband Noah, right? Yeah, In Noah Baumbach. Mm-hmm. I wonder if she'll go back to acting. Um, I don't know. She just, her most recent thing was Little Women, right? Yep. Which is a very, very good movie. A great mm-hmm. adaptation. I still gotta watch it. I still, I still gotta, that's on my list Talk of to do. Talk about movies that they've made 45 versions of. And like, Little Women's one of them. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, the newest one might be the best one. Really? Yeah. It's just, wow. it's very fresh and feels relevant and mm-hmm. it's told in a really unique way with the girls as adults and kids. Yeah. So, yeah, I just throwing all the movie recommendations at you guys. Yeah, and even me, because I'm like, I need to go back and watch a good chunk Ken's of these. Ken's got a pen and pad just writing down stuff. I'm just over here, like, scribbling everything my man is writing, <laughs> where he's saying, these, uh, to say the least about supporting actors, it's fantastic because one supporting actor, which I would literally say is one of my favorite actors of all time, is... Philip Seymour Hoffman, one of the one of the one of the greatest, fantastic supporting actor. Every role he's in, he kills it. I love it. And then the master, he was in that. Haven't seen that, but I've heard amazing things about it. But I have seen him in stuff uh, stuff like the fantastic Mr. Ripley with uh, Matt Damon. You've seen that, right? No. 
No. Talk I've about seen it and a movie that's been on my list to watch for about five years, and that's the number one movie. For some reason, have not decided to watch it. Right. Honestly, I think it's fantastic. Just because I, I think I went on a binge of watching Matt Damon stuff, and I thought he was fantastic in that. Philip, for the time that he was in there, it was I loved his character. He was awesome the way he handled the scenes and just like he had this calm like and you could tell he was way different than any other role he had done as well so he wasn't just like playing i mean he might have been playing a hunt like the way he is but it just didn't seem like he was just playing another like character right yeah what is there like a time limit on what gets you qualified as a supporting actor I'm curious about um, like is it just a billing thing or I think if you're in the movie like over half of it then you're not what are the no I don't think it's a I don't know if it is a time thing or what but I think it's just how much the story revolves around you I yeah. think that's the biggest thing because lead actors are the ones that the uh, the story it revolves around them so the crux of the entire thing follows them but then supporting are those that build up and show the lead actors changing right because right? like you can have two lead actors which mm-hmm. you see a lot yeah and neither one of them would be considered supporting Mm-hmm. I think that's those are stories where it follows them so closely that whenever these supporting actors like with Philip Seymour Hoffman when he's not a lead and he's a supporting the camera doesn't cut to show him in his life unless it's like showing oh this impacts the lead actor in this way right yeah he's a guy so, that shows up delivering pizzas and then maybe he's a part of the story later Mm-hmm. So the camera mainly, if anything, every single scene should impact the lead actor and the story and how they are, whether they know it or not, because uh, plenty of times there are movies where the camera will cut to some random scene and it shows somebody and then when they do something, you're like, oh, no, that's because this the lead actor you know oh no he put anchovies on the pizza and we saw it before he got the pizza oh no right these examples are fire (laughs) so yeah it'll cut to that sort of stuff and those characters those um although the camera might cut to them it's not necessarily about them so every single shot should be pertaining to the lead actor in some form or fashion that or the story arc as a whole Mm-hmm. Which that can get a little bit um, using. I don't know. I don't know if I've seen a movie where it was mainly the story that went before the actors, or because usually, or the characters in the movie. When that because, happens, it's in the some of the cases I've seen, it's kind of more experimental. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like Terrence Malick would be a good example mm-hmm. of having a lot of supporting actors and right. the overall, like, theme or message is in the imagery, not necessarily what a specific character does or doesn't do, because all you're ever mm-hmm. seeing is, like, these little blips. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... There's no sort of like starter into it. And then yeah. kind of when you finish, you have like maybe a little bit more complete thought. But I don't know if mm-hmm. that's that's kind of another thing, I guess. But yeah. And I many times I, I don't think I've yeah, I don't think I've seen a movie that puts the story before the character because usually I think most stories, if anything, use the actors as the point of view of the what the movie is about, you know? Yeah. Because I, I haven't finished it, but I'm in the middle of watching Serpico with Al Pacino, 
directed by uh, Sidney Lumet, because I'm reading Sidney Lumet's book on directing, and it's the character, it's using him as a reference of the, you know, trying to fight the established, like, corrupt police department, and showing, like, the corruption and how deep it can go, and how blind people can be to um, how wrong what they are doing it is so they're using Serpico as a okay no one has run into someone so resilient to taking other people's money and bribes but let's show Serpico who is a guy who literally would even in the face of a group of people in an entire organization telling him to just take the money and be quiet and just take the payoff he's like no right and he's trying to bring down all of that sort of uh that established organization right so he is the character or he is the way of showing the flaw in the story and then what the story is about but it's also him having flaws that gives it such a dynamic relationship right so you would say that's maybe your closest example of where a story almost is as important mm-hmm. or as much of the focus as a the character's development? I would say so, and it just is another... Because we as the viewer know, it, and it's set up to show that Serpico is in a world that he only envisioned and that he dreamed about and that he doesn't fully understand but he wants it to be like it is in his mind and so he will do anything to do that but it's like fighting against him every single scene he's fighting against that sort of just take the money and be quiet so i think that's one of those where it's not you know, it's not like he's just walking through the entire story, right? Mm-hmm. The story is pushing back almost as if it's a second character as well, as a whole, against him. But that's why I would say that it's not the story going first, because you're using the character to push against and be mm-hmm. resilient to those ideas. So it's clashing, but it's him versus this entire other thing, which is the movie. Right, and these, which is a group of other actors and people, right? Yeah, it's an organization as a whole, fight and him fighting against it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because like storytelling one hundred and one is characters through their actions or their thoughts or their words are driving a plot forward. Mm-hmm. Something is happening to them. And they're being changed. The world around them is affecting them. That type of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So when that gets kind of flipped over, it can be really interesting. Which mm-hmm. I'm honestly blinking on anything I've seen that stood out enough for me to like, oh, yeah, that's what that was. Well, one other thing that... One other movie that I think did a great job at personifying a... Uh, suspense movies do it fantastically as long as they're written well and directed well is like the one with guy from the office Jim A Quiet Place A Quiet Place yes A Quiet Place A Quiet Place yes the A Quiet Place does a fantastic job of being it personifies silence and sound so sound is bad so when you hear sound in the movie you are like on the edge of your seat someone's about to die someone's about to die and so that what that's why it makes it so much more impactful like the ending is because you realize how much that hurts and what will happen to the character when that happens right It's, and so uh, silence is personified and the story itself is just centered around this small family, but it's yeah, against the elements. Absolutely. I find movies that kind of try and find unique ways to heighten our senses to be really mm-hmm. refreshing. 
Yeah. Just, you know, thinking about a quiet place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uncut gems. It's not the uncut gems. It's uncut gems. I'm saying the in Adding front of a everything. Adding a lot of extra words to these titles. <laughs> uncut gems is with the Safdie brothers. I loved it because it was just the story. It gripped you because you realized how much this guy is gambling with his life, and I think that's probably what the crux of the story, the moral of the story, is when is it enough right when have you gone too far when do you call it quits and the entire movie is just him gambling with his life and making these decisions which when you're in a casino and you're you're just wheeling and dealing you're doing all this you're throwing money around you have that sort of feeling inside you is like, oh, this might turn out bad, but also it might turn out good, <laughs> like extremely so that I'll be rich as heck. It's good after until this. it's bad. Mm-hmm. So this movie, Uncut Gems, it was it held, had you on the edge of your seat because you're like, everything he's doing could turn out extremely bad. Like the ending bet, you're like. He could literally lose all this money that he could have just easily handed over. Why didn't he just give the money over? Why Why is he making it so difficult? Why is he gambling with money that's not his, right? And so that's what makes the ending so like, oh, you know, wow, he, he actually did it. And then, you know, if you've seen it, you, it's the ending is... That's a great sound effect. It's fantastic. <laughs> like, I loved it because everyone in the movie theater that was around me was they were like no they were like no what they're like all, yeah. the, all of this for that it almost doesn't pay off in that way yeah and i was like this movie could not end any other way it had mm-hmm. to end like that and i think that was my one thing that i would tell other people that would you know ask what i thought about it i was like it has to end like that yeah Sounds like Uncut Gems is gonna get its own episode. Oh, I yeah, I cannot wait. The Safties, <laughs> them and their work is just fantastic. Yeah, I have seen Good Time and I've seen Uncut Gems. Good Time with Robert Pattinson. <sighs> yep, he did. Fantastic. Don't be hating on the Batman. No, I'm not amazing. hating on the Batman. I love that he is the Batman because. Honestly, I think he's about to do a fantastic job showing off a different side of Batman than other people are ready Once for. Once he figures out how to ride the bike, he'll be good. No, I think that was his stunt, man. Uh, I think that was his stunt, man. If it was, that's even more embarrassing. I know. <laughs> let's find out who that guy is and shout him let's, out. Let's track him down. Whoever the stunt guy that did that. You gotta get him on the pod. Get him on the podcast. So tell me, what was going through your mind as the bike was falling? You did see there was forty people filming you on their phone. (laughs) You did see the camera was rolling. Um, yeah, I Batman is another one. Well, that'll have its own like huge trilogy of episodes. We'll review that one in 2023 after it comes out. 2023, whenever it's released. Once we get to watch new movies again. <laughs> yeah, I um I want to go back to the supporting actors because mm-hmm. again, I think it's a an important role. Mhm. And I don't think every actor can be a supporting actor. Yeah. And that's not saying that they can be a lead either. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's saying they shouldn't be acting, but that's <laughs> something else. Right. But you really have to be a generous person to be mm-hmm. a supporting actor. Yeah. And I think this is kind of a little bit on the the border of supporting or like multiple leads. But you mm-hmm. think about the movie The Favorite. Mm-hmm. It has. Uh, Rachel Weisz, um, Emma Stone, and Olivia Coleman. Mm-hmm. All three are like 
Oscar level actresses, yeah. actors. Actually, I want to find out. We need to figure out how to do a poll to see what females like more, actor or actress for themselves. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen mixed things. I generally go actor. Sometimes I go actress. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Let's figure out how to do that. Yeah. Um. But you know, in that movie, these three women are kind of all splitting screen time, but they're often in the scenes together. Mm-hmm. And any other trio like that, I just, I would see one of them standing out and taking all the light. And the way they balance it and the way that each one has their moments was really, I mean, obviously that's credit to the director, mm-hmm. um, Yorgos, but have to cast certain people that are willing to step aside and let the other person shine and know that you're furthering the story and as a supporting actor again maybe they're three leads I I don't know I can Mm -hmm. there is something weird with how the academy like put them in categories for the Oscars Um, Mm -hmm. I don't remember what it was but I think Two of them were leads and one was supporting or something like that. Hmm. I'd have to look that up. Yeah. Um, But anyways, yeah, uh, I I just think it's widely overlooked and it's a very intentional decision when you bring on a supporting actor. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I still have a lot to learn. Like, with me personally like with fall nights that was my first time out so i did i have no recollection of like being a supporting actor i had nothing to go on and honestly it didn't have anything to go on if i was even the lead <laughs> so it's so like let's use fall nights as an example let's walk through that mm-hmm. so you've got alex and brooke mm-hmm. which would be the leads i assume yeah and then you have about five to seven supporting actors around him is that about yeah. right yeah me uh had spider joel and liz and then also had my the bandmates joel um, was gerald's felix. character right yeah that was gerald's character felix and davis so those were all supporting i think some it the way it was written were more supporting than others i think i think the way the breakdown with fall nights would go was alex was the lead so the story centered around alex mainly because it was him trying to get out of his old life and try and get to what he wanted to do so yeah alex is the lead and then it goes down to me, who was Spider, Ruth, and Joel, the three main friends in that group. That are supporting him. That are supporting him and his desire to leave his old way, his old life. So we're pretty much like the pull, right? He's getting pulled from both sides. So rather than being pushed and him fighting something, if anything, he's fighting the pull from his past life. brother and the scrap metal and ve- like the uh, criminal lifestyle he's fighting against that and not wanting to do that but and he's being pulled by these other characters to leave that and go do his own thing and sh- see the carefree life right right yeah i you get some of these movies where there's a lot of characters that you see a good bit of screen time with. It's it's fun to break them down and see exactly how they relate back to the main character because at some point, you know, Brooke's character kind of shifts because mm-hmm. it becomes a lot of her and Alex, Cullen and Ruth. Mm-hmm. And so then it kind of, in that way, is more like, I'll say a rom-com, but you just, what I mean is like a movie about people falling in love. Mm-hmm. Um, so it goes from what you're talking about initially with like him kind of trying to find his way to 
them being really close and then you guys are still kind of outside surrounding that so yeah i would say it does transition i'd say the the story does take a turn from being okay this is on alex and or on cullen and he's trying to get out of that old life and then he meets the group of friends finds out that he really likes ruth and then him and ruth become the focal point at like after uh he gets to china grove but yeah i would say it, it can be hard to distinguish and sometimes supporting characters can turn into leads as well throughout but on paper they may be called supporting right i this is i don't know why i sparked that thought but there's a movie called the place beyond the pines oh and i'm like ryan gosling is my spirit animal so yeah i watch everything he's done yes but when you mentioned that it sparked that thought on that movie because from the start to the end the entire cast changes. Mm-hmm. Like by the end of the movie, the characters we saw at the beginning are no longer in the movie. Mm-hmm. So that's a example of maybe the leads changing, but also the like the whole cast changes. And right, I'm trying. I'm drawing some blanks, but I don't know if there was someone from the beginning that was more supporting, and then they kind of like take the forefront or not. Mm-hmm. But that's definitely a thing. I think that definitely is, I think it's very non-traditional when it comes to storytelling, is passing the baton off to another character. Because many times, a lot. the reason that feature films, people love to sit down, is because they get to connect with a character. Yeah. And so if you pass the baton off to somebody else, it can be very difficult to be build that relationship that the audience has with that character. Yeah, like and you got so, Zach Efron, like that's him. Like he's mm-hmm. the guy. We're on him. By the end of it, he probably fell in love, won the lottery, got shredded, saved someone out of the ocean, rode a dolphin. Mm-hmm. Like that's yep. his story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, so I think it's very difficult to have those. If you try and pass the baton in the story, I think you have to introduce the characters uh, very early and then also build that maybe they're off screen. Maybe one character is off screen for a majority of the beginning, but they're still talking like maybe they're on a trip and they're coming back and they're sharing stories with the lead actor and the actors, you know, longing to be with that person and being on that adventure. And this mystique is built around the character. And one of the, I I think John wick does a great job of building character without anything being said from the lead character and that's one of the reasons i love john wick so much is because in the beginning you don't see him fighting it's like a solid like good portion of the beginning i don't know the exact time and amount of time but you don't hear much from him and you don't see any fighting you don't hear much of dialogue Mm -hmm. at all and it's if anything it's the other characters yeah and the other characters, when they talk about John, he's like, they, they're they scared of him. And so this mystique is built around this guy who you are just like, what's up with him? He's just another guy, right? Yeah. And then when he gets beat up and his dog killed, you're kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. I feel bad. Of course, the puppy died. Let's take a moment of silence guys. for that. Let's take a yeah. I mean, honestly, a moment of silence for like everybody that John would go on to. That would be just an hour long episode of silence. Yes. And so you feel bad about John and you're like, oh my God, he's in such a bad way. And I feel so like, like he's been wronged and what did he do to hurt anybody? And then comes to find out he's one of the he's the boogeyman yeah (laughs) right he's your worst nightmare he's your worst nightmare you should never mess with this guy and you couldn't tell that from the first 30 minutes of john wick i love that i love that sort of writing i've never thought about john wick that way so i'm glad you're bringing that up 
Yeah, I let's dive into John Wick at some point. I could talk about that forever. Uh, Four days, the first right? movie is the first movie is absolutely fantastic. I might put it on after I'm done with this. Yeah, and it's just a, such an easy watch too. That's a great thing. Oh, the scenes and the choreography are just Mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> it's fantastic. So. I want to ask you, now that we've been talking about supporting actors, mm-hmm. maybe your brain's kind of wrangled up some names. Who are a few that you think are the best, like doing it right now? You've seen them in a bunch of movies, but they're always a person standing over on the side. But you know they're there, and mm-hmm. they're important, and they're driving the story, and you like it. I mean, Any you names come to mind? This- you're throwing me on the spot. I, I can't really think of anything uh, right off the top of my head, mainly because I've watched so many movies that I'm like, did I watch that? Oh, I, I guess I did watch that. Um, but definitely, I have noticed Lakeith as much as I can. I mean, I, I'll go back to him just because I'm watching him and his moves now with whatever he's doing. And Lakeith, whenever he's in there, he doesn't... <laughs> He's one of those where he's always quite powerful in a very non-powerful way. You know what I mean? Very contained and poised. Yeah. He's he's always, like, even in uh, Uncut Gems, he does have a scene where he blows up and he's like, I've had it. Like, you literally, like, you, you did this to me? Like, you sold one of my watches and you pawned it and you did this sort of stuff. That wasn't yours to do it. Even whenever he's blowing up, you're like, he's kind of contained and, you know, but it's very powerful at the same time. He's not throwing a chair or anything, <laughs> but he's he's very much passionate. And that's one thing that in uh, Knives Out, it's almost the same fashion as that he blends in so well. It's like, yeah, I believe him as a, a detective, as a sidekick to Blanc. And he just blends in so well and helps the story move forward without... He gets in and gets out without you being like, oh my God, that guy was too show-offy, yeah. right? I think he said an important thing right there about um, believing them. Mm-hmm. Because it could be, in my opinion more difficult to believe these actors in multiple lead roles Mm -hmm. compared to believing them in these supporting roles where, and often I feel this way, they are more believable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's a great example. My two people, I've already exposed one of them, John Hamm. Like, Mm -hmm. he's my guy. But the other one is another John, and that's John Bernthal. John Bernthal. Oh, I love John Bernthal. And he is every character he's played. I firmly believe if I met that man, he would be every single one of those characters because right. I've never seen him in a role where I was like, he wasn't cast correctly. Right. And that's just yeah. like, that's rare. John Bernthal, he has this, he was also in Ford v. Ferrari, and he did a fantastic job in that role. His personality, you can see it in the roles that he plays, he just has this sort of, uh, like, feeling about him whenever he's on the screen, and I think that's where the casting for him is always fantastic, because no matter what, he always, he blends in well with the... Uh, the entire story and I think that's one of the biggest compliments you can have is that no matter what story you get put in you're always like you fit in I'm gonna do a quick rundown of movies he's been in Mm -hmm. and these are only the like A-list top-notch chef's kiss ones Mm -hmm. so we've got date night right pretty popular Maybe kind of like rom com type of thing. Steve Carell. Mm-hmm. Transitions. Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Kind of a big deal, right? Yeah. You've heard about that one? A little, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Fury. An amazing Fury, yes. movie about yes. World War II. Sicario. Mm-hmm. 
You got Villainy there, jumps into that role. Mm-hmm. The Accountant, a movie that I think a lot of people sleep on and I love with mm-hmm. Ben Affleck. Then we get up to Baby Driver. We've mentioned that one. Baby Driver. So him and John Hamm, right there together. Yeah, they were like, right there, side by side. perfectly supporting. Yes. Wind River, which I'll stop here for a moment because this is the first time I remember seeing him and like, who's that guy? Like, I looked him up afterwards. Because mm-hmm. he's just, mm, Wind River is an amazing movie. But <laughs> you take him out of it and it immediately drops two stars. Like, right yeah. off the bat. And it's got Jeremy Renner and... Um, blanking on her name, something Olsen. Elizabeth? Yes, Elizabeth Olsen. Just an amazing cast there. You got Widows, Peanut Butter Falcon. You mentioned uh-huh. Ford v. Ferrari. Peanut Butter Falcon. That's got to be on the docket for what and, we talk about. My God. Yeah. So, but, but yeah. You, know, you look at this guy... And he's been in all these huge movies, just mm-hmm. sitting there in the back, right in his little slot, doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Most people probably don't even know his name, even if they're listening now. And right. that means he's doing his job well. It, John Bernthal is one of those where I, I started watching, and I think I saw him in The Punisher uh, in the very beginning uh, when I started keeping tabs on him. But The Punisher, he did such a fantastic job with that series that I just, I was like, I got to watch more. And then Fury, I was just, I the, his character in that was extremely, it's hard to say because he's, he's also, he's kind of an asshole in that film, <laughs> but he's also kind of having fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's... He's got that sort of attitude to him in there. And then you got... He's like the guy in that movie. Yeah, Baby Driver. He's also kind of playing that little snarky, like... um, Cooler than school kind of thing going on. mm Mm-hmm. And he's kind of making fun of Ansel's character in that. And he kind of has that. But he also has... He has this dark element to where I would not want to meet him in the back alley. Like ever right i don't want to mess with this guy but he also has that ability to turn it into where you're extreme you you want to talk with this guy you want to sit down and have a chat with him and you know pick his brain on things yeah and i i think he does such a fantastic job and his range is amazing i couldn't agree more i there's just it's a rare thing to see someone that talented and not leading movies yet Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of glad. Like, I like him where he's at. And I hope he mm-hmm. doesn't feel, like, neglected because, like, we see you, bro. We see oh, you. Oh, dude. I love John Bernthal. He's, he, I've listened to plenty of podcasts and talked to him. He's such a humble guy. And he literally, when he... I, I think the podcast I was listening to, he was at home and he had his dog with him and he's just talking about oh you know he's petting his dog while he's doing it he's such a chill and cool guy that i think he would just be and he's so insightful whenever he speaks too yeah about anything because i remember from that interview he had trained in like at the moscow art theater or something like that and really he he trained in russia and it, just the amount of experience he had, uh, worldliness, along with his just pure talent, is fantastic. We'll have to have a whole episode dedicated to John. <laughs> yeah, I I could totally do that. All right, well, supporting actors, important, overlooked, extremely, probably underpaid, but right. not forgotten. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love supporting actors mainly because I am mostly a supporting actor. You are uh, one. I am. Be proud. Mainly. It's an important am. And part, man. They usually, they sometimes get overlooked, but plenty of times there is what make a movie, honestly. Like, if you have great supporting actors, they the movie is made. Yep, without them, so many of my favorite movies fall apart. So, on that note, 
If you guys were vibing with what we were talking about today and you enjoyed the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at The Cinevibes. And also, if you want to reach out, you can email us at cinevibescast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much, and we're out.